Welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I'm your host, Matthew Pfeiffer. Today I have on a very special guest. I have on Miles, the, the millennial Harris, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Miles is, uh, is a best-selling author, a motivational speaker, thought provoker. He is a graduate of Fisk University where he majored in business and, and, is, and currently resides in Nashville, Tennessee. He has empowered young adults nationwide to achieve mental peace and fulfillment Miles believes young adults today should only defeat uh, defeat the challenges they face by changing their mind in order to change their life. And so I'm looking forward to having this, this young man on. He's someone who I believe is very wise beyond his years. You've probably seen, his, seen me stitch his videos and seen some duets from his videos, especially for those of you who are on TikTok. His account is going to continue to grow. I'm a very big, big believer in his and what he stands for. And obviously, you guys know who follow me. You guys know that I'm a very big believer in taking responsibility for your own personal healing and your own personal journey. So with that being said, let me introduce to you guys Miles Harris. Miles, welcome to the Map Pfeiffer Experience. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's a blessing to be here. Thank you for having me on. No problem. No problem. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So you're you have uh, you have you're now a best selling author. You're doing some phenomenal things at a very young age. And uh, I was actually shocked to hear that you're right out of college. And as a matter of fact, when I stitched your video, I remember some people that said and commented and DM me saying that that you were wise beyond your years. And I, I agree. <laughs> it's almost like you have a 40 year old mindset who's been through <laughs> stuff, you know, at, at the young age of 22 years old. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how how you've developed into the young man that you actually are. Yeah. So right now I'm actually 24. I just turned 24. Um, but for me, my story really starts from the time I grew up. I was raised in a two parent household, the quote unquote healthy type uh, environment. My mom and my dad have been together and married for 30 years. And that has been a big part of who I am because I feel like I've had a, a pretty balanced upbringing and able to see both sides of who I am and what it takes to be a whole person. Um, in that, you know, I, I may have had a balanced home, but I wasn't the balanced kid. I was always the one that wouldn't listen. I was always getting into trouble at school, getting into trouble at home because I always wanted to do things Miles' way. I was hard-headed. I didn't you know, care what the advice you were trying to give me, how you were trying to lead me down the right path. I was going to do what I wanted to do and be hard-headed and suffer the consequences. And probably around the time I got about 15, 16 years old, I made a decision that I didn't want to be that person anymore. I didn't want to continuously have to go through struggles in order to learn from them when there was somebody right by my side trying to guide me to a better path and I would ignore them. And I said, you know what? I don't want to do that no more. It's much better for me to have to avoid that life lesson and just learn rather than put myself in the position of where I have to suffer through it. Um, and so I decided to become a lot more wise and what, that led um, me to this path. Okay. Now. What, what made you, what were some decisions? Cause for someone to make any decision to change their life and to mm -hmm. go down a, a path, typically, I, I say that it typically leads, there's typically a crisis behind it, right? Uh, most people don't think about 
correcting relationship behavior until they're faced with a breakup or a divorce. Most people, even, even people who get back into church typically don't do it unless they don't do things like that. They don't go to therapy when things are going really well, typically, right. Unless Mm -hmm. they're already on a healing journey. So what were some, some dynamics that may have caused that? You're like, you know what? I need to make some changes. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. People, in, in in my opinion, what I've seen is people only make changes when something extremely incredible happens or when something extremely low happens. It's never when it's in between. And for me, it was a combination of both. Um, that was the dichotomy I was living in was I was a stellar student, straight A's in all honor classes, everything from an academic and involvement and leadership. I, I had all that down packed. But from a behavioral perspective, I was on the low end. I was constantly getting into fights because always growing up as a little dude, I would never let anybody talk to me any kind of way, challenge me in any kind of way. I always felt like I had something to prove. Um, And then I also would just talk way too much. So I was constantly getting into trouble on that end. And what that created was me constantly getting suspended from school. And I'm looking at my parents' faces and it it was just so disappointing for them because they didn't really know what to do. They're like, it's not like he's just a troubled kid. Like, uh, I, I do great in class. I got honors, GPAs, ranking at the top of my class, but I'm getting suspended for school. And that was the most embarrassing part of it all. And I remember the last time I got suspended when, you know, my mom just looked at me and she's just like, I'm just disappointed. And, you know, from your parents, when they say that, mm-hmm. that hurts worse than any punishment that they can give you. And I recognize that, you know, my mom taught at the disciplinary school in the district and I had to go up there on two separate occasions for my punishment. And having my mom have to be there and see her son be a part of the kids and, and everybody's looking like, oh, this is your son. And the teachers love me. They're like, he's so smart, this, that, and that. But it's it was just disappointing because I didn't make the mistakes. One, I make the mistake twice, put her through that. And it changed me to the point to where I said, you know what? I don't want to go through trouble anymore in order to learn. I really just want to do right. I'm tired of pain. And so I decided to chase a life of pleasure. And so when you started chasing life of pleasure, um, did, did that carry over into college or did you get into some more trouble? Did you have to have more life lessons once you got to college or what was that like? College was great. So, so college was a, a breath of fresh air because high school, you know, you're trying to fit in and you're, you're trying to find yourself and you're, you're going through so many different changes. And while I was always me, I was still influenced heavily by the people around me and, and wanting to fit in, wanting the girls to like me. Um, and I remember, it's funny, my sister told me, it was probably my sophomore year in high school, she told me, she's like, Miles, high school just isn't your time. But when you get to college, you'll see what I mean. And that's exactly what happened. I got to college and it was funny, from the first day I got there, me being the nerdy kid, me being intelligent, me not being afraid to raise my hand, sit in the front of the classroom, ask questions, it was attractive to women. Right. It was this big shift that happened. Whereas in high school, the girls wanted the jocks. The girls wanted the attractive dudes. When I got to college, girls were looking for their husband. They were looking for the dude that had promise. They were looking Mm -hmm. for the dude that they saw real potential in that could be somebody that could lead them in the future. Right. Women get to that age and that point a lot earlier than we do. But they were ready for that. And it encouraged me when I saw that. And I realized when my sister said it's like it's so much better to be you. Me mm-hmm. trying to be anybody else wasn't going to help. And so college was a breeze. It was great. It was the best experience of my life. Um, I still had troubles per se, um, but nothing. It was just normal troubles of, you know, sometimes you lose your focus. Sometimes yeah. you fall off. But I always heeded the wisdom of the people around me. And that led to me being a student leader, 
me joining a fraternity, me starting a business, you know, me winning a number of awards and graduating with honors, everything I wanted to do in college, even the college I chose, I did it for me. And that was the biggest thing that I learned from there. And it's led me to a lot of success even after. It sounds like you finally began to enjoy a self-love journey of being an authentic version of yourself. So it goes without saying that if you, that's the journey that, that corrected your behavior, that when you were in high school and when you were getting in trouble, you weren't really being authentic. Is that, yes. is that fair to say? I, I think it definitely is because I was so distracted by wanting to be like other people. Right. Um, had some who did you, who did you want to, who did you want to, who did you want to be like? Some of my closest friends, right? So I have a friend, Jalen, who's he's my brother. We're still close to this day. And he was a star athlete. We all played football growing up. My dad made me stop playing football once I got to high school because I was too small. I played high school football in Texas. He was like, dude, they will kill you. You're five foot two, 95 pounds. I'm not putting you out there. So that was a, a really big hit because all of my friends were involved in sports and I played football with growing up. And I feel like I was good enough to still play on these teams. And so I, I'll, I'll tell you a story for the first, for all of my freshman year into the beginning of my sophomore year in the mornings, even though I was involved in band and debate and all these other programs, I would have my mom drop me off at the football locker room to go inside and kick it with all my mm -hmm. friends in the locker room. Like we used to back in intermediate school and middle school. Mm -hmm. So I could feel a part of it. Right. And they loved me. Like my friends were really cool. They always supported me, but it wasn't until sophomore year that I realized that this isn't my place anymore. This isn't mm -hmm. for me. This isn't my space. This is their space. I have a group of people over here in band that I should be kicking it with every single morning. These are my, my friends. These are the people. And not even just that they weren't my friends, but this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's okay to go ahead and transition into the space that's for you now, instead of worrying about the space that was for you in the past. And that was so powerful for me. I, I grew up, you and I talked before the show, I grew up in Texas for the, I mean, I'm in Dallas now, but I've mm -hmm. been all over the place. Um, but I, I, I had that same struggle growing up. I was in band. I also played football, but I, I was uh, not much bigger than you, but a little bit bigger mm -hmm. than you. And I was in uh, um, struggling with, do I want to stick with the saxophone? Do I want to continue to play? And that authentic, that authenticity of who, like, where do I fit in? Yep. And I think that that's a lot, that's a large struggle for people to figure that out, not only at a young age, but I think that is something that, that people even struggle with in adulthood. I've yes. talked to adults every single day that are in their thirties, forties, and fifties and still struggle with that to this day. Yes. How do you, how, what are some things that you would tell someone about transitioning to, from a place of, trying to fit into, you know what, this is just who I am. And I'm just going to allow for people to either accept me or they don't. Yeah. I, I think that it starts in a couple of different ways. And, and, and it's really about realist, being a realist about mm -hmm. life, what this thing is until you come to terms on that, you're always going to be faking it. The first thing that people need to understand is you're on a, a ticking clock and you don't know what it ends. So if we're living our life by any other means, any other standard than what it is that we truly want to do and what makes us happy, then you're wasting that little bit of time that you got left. You could die tomorrow and you could die tomorrow either being happy saying, you know what, I died being who I was, or you can die tomorrow saying that I never lived to be who I was supposed to be. That's the first thing that people need to realize. The second thing that people need to realize is the, 
has it ever gotten you anywhere? Has it ever given, given you any form of fulfillment and happiness in the long run by being what other people wanted you to be, by doing what other people told you to do rather than what you yourself and your spirit and your heart was telling you you needed to do and needed to be, right? It, it's, it's, it's always puzzling to me. You know, they say the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, if you in middle school did what other people said and you were miserable then, and then you went to high school and went to college and you did what other people said to do and tried to fit in and weren't yourself and it didn't work then, you were miserable, and you're 30 years old now, still trying to live to other people's standards and it isn't working for you, well, then you're insane. And you need to get out your own way because I'm telling you, it could be over tomorrow. And if you want to die happy, if you want to live life in happiness with what you got left, then you need to change your desire to want to fit in and be like other people because God only made you to be you and nobody else is going to be able to solve that journey for you. It's not going to happen. I, that's something I can definitely relate to. And I, I remember when I had similar, uh, similar struggles, one of the things that really, really opened my eyes was that I noticed that when I was trying to fit in with other people, whether it be with friends, whether it be with family, and I was uh, trying to cater to what I thought, the life that I thought that they wanted for me, mm. that what would happen is that I noticed that they still weren't pleased. Mm. They still weren't happy. I still wasn't accepted regardless. Yep. And so all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Out of nowhere, this light went off where it's like, wait a minute, I'm sacrificing literally my life, sacrificing the things that I want, the things that I know are potentially can make me happy. And the only thing that's happening is that the people that I'm trying to make happy still aren't happy. They're still not satisfied. So what the hell am I doing? Exactly. You know, and so when I began to flip around and when you start to think, to, when you really start to think about it, and if you and if you start to apply the things that bring you fulfillment, bring you happiness, and if that upsets and that makes other people angry, do they really care? Are they supposed right? to be you have there? To ask it, right. You have to really ask yourself, like, do if 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 my happiness upset somebody else do they really care mm-hmm. right and that and that's a that's a very that's a, a a very sometimes it can actually be very heartbreaking to to begin to think about people that you have worked your your butt off to try to satisfy and to try to please this entire time only to find out that they really never really actually genuinely care to begin with hmm. right what are your thoughts on that I think it's the the biggest truth. And I think it's when I think about that, I always think of the fact that, you know, my mom used to tell me when I was growing up, you know, your your gifts will make room for you mm-hmm. or tell me, you know, baby, don't don't change who you are for other people. And I, I made a did I write this somewhere? I either made a post or I wrote this somewhere. And I said the people. Oh, I know what it is. It's in one of my speeches, one of my presentations that I give. And I said the things that people laugh at you for now will be the things that they praise you for later. So living your life, trying to impress people or trying to live up to their standards does nothing for you. Right. I remember when being intelligent and being a nerd in school got me no girls. It it didn't do anything for me. My confidence was low because I was constantly looking at it as like, well, it doesn't really get me anywhere. So cutting up in school and doing that stuff, well, it got me attention. Right. 
it changed from that to the second I walked through those doors in college, every girl wants the dude who's sitting at the front of the class, who's getting great grades. Every girl wants and every dude wants to be friends with the person that's actually smart enough to understand what's going on because, hey, he actually isn't afraid to ask a question. He has confidence because what I realized is, man, and this is one of the, the funniest parts about it. I realized that everybody was faking it. Yeah. Nobody was really in tune with themselves. Everybody was trying to fit in. And what happened was when I decided to live life based on me and not be afraid, all the people who were on the same type of time, we all ended up kind of congregating together. They, right. they wrote, we kind of rose above the crop because it was easy to tell the people that were faking it because that consistency is going to fall off eventually Absolutely. when you're faking it. And so it created this, this tribe now, and they're my friends to this day, where we live our life on our terms. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. The first thing we're going to say, if you have an idea, is do it. Not, oh, don't. We're not going to tell you the reasons why. We're going to tell you the reasons why you can, not the reasons why you can't. And that's all about living your truth and realizing that, hey, we only get one chance at this thing, so let's go for it. Absolutely. For that person who's listening who might be struggling with authenticity, and struggling with trying to fit in like we were just talking about what are their first steps like how do they begin to feel authentic or realize like what part of me is authentic versus the part that's trying to fit in because the 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 hard part the struggle is that a lot of people whether they know this or not we are wired to mm -hmm. connect we we yes. we do we do need other people so the, so there's a balance that we're looking for. And so the, the struggle for a lot of people is to how do I how do I become and how do I find that that authentic version of me that I know that this is the thing that actually brings me happiness, that actually brings me joy. And then I'm actually now projecting that out into the world versus uh, the inauthentic version. I think the first step is one realizing that even though we need people and we're social creatures, understanding that bad company is way worse than no company, right? Yeah. And so you want the people around you that are there to be there for you and for who you really are, not just you know the money that you bring to the table or your success or the attention that you bring, none of that. You want them to be there for who you are, the essence of your soul. They love you for you. If you were to lose it all tomorrow, they'd still be there. Mm -hmm. that's the first step because then you'll be able to frame the next thing that I'm saying in the right way. The second step for me is, and this is kind of like how you find your passion and your gift, how I tell people, what are the things that you would do if you made no money doing it? You had the time to do it, whatever. But like, if you, if you didn't get paid for it, if it cost you nothing other than just your time, what are the things that you would do? And nobody gave you attention for it. What are the things you would do? That is, those are the things that truly make you happy, right? Because a lot of the things that we do, we do for external purposes. They're not really for us. Oh, I do this job because it pays me well. And I got to provide for myself, my family, my dreams, other people in my life. Or, you know, I do this because it brings me a lot of popularity. And, you know, that's why I, I, I wear these clothes or, or that's why I'm a part of this particular team or group is because it brings me attention. I joined this fraternity because I wanted social status, right? Whatever it is. What are the things that you would do if nobody was looking and you made no money doing it? 
when you ask yourself that, you're going to find out very quickly what you really love because you already do it. It's those things that when you lay down in the bed that you think about all the time that just make you so excited. It's the stuff that if you're a singer, you just walk around randomly just singing tunes to everything. You can hear the notes. If you're a speaker, every single time you walk into an interview, you just get jittery and excited when you walk out of it because it's like, man, I really got to express my thoughts and my, my words. You know it because when you do it, it feels effortless, one. And two, you never feel so alive afterwards. It gives you a high. And it tends to be something that we take for granted mm-hmm. uh, that, that I noticed. Uh, I think both of us, before we went on live, we, we were both talking about how at a young age, we were both just naturally giving people advice. People would come exactly. to us naturally asking for dating advice when we were at a very, very young age. Well, exactly. surprise, shocker, here we are today, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and you take that for granted and you don't even think that it's something that you can uh, either monetize or something that's going to be beneficial to you or that that's your gift to the world. Yes. Uh, I was listening I saw a video on TikTok of a gentleman saying, you know, when people who are trying to be built like him and, he's, and, and that want to play rugby the way that he does, and he's, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. The reason why I play rugby is because I'm built like this. I didn't I saw get that. built yes. like this because I play rugby, right? Mm-hmm. I was already built. I was already a big guy. And then I was like, well, I'm big. I might as well put this to use. And so then he decided to play rugby. Same mm-hmm. thing with you and I. We were already giving relationship advice, toxic relationship advice, motivating people. And so we went into the direction that we were already already going in. And yep. a lot of times people, because in you know, I can speak for myself when we're trying to fulfill roles that other people think we would be good at. Some people mm-hmm. thought I would be good at playing the saxophone. Some people thought I would be good in sales and marketing. Well, it lacked a lot of fulfillment. I was good at it, right? I was successful mm-hmm. at it, but it was boring. I hated yep. it, right? Yep. I didn't like it. And so, um, and then even at, when I was when I was more of your traditional therapist, I remember uh, I enjoyed parts of it. I was like, I'm getting closer. I enjoy helping people, but there was a lot of stuff about being a therapist that I, I hated. I yep. hated the fact that I was in the same room all day, every single day. Uh, I, I enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed giving yep. people advice and, and connecting with people and that sort of thing. But I didn't get it. I wasn't able to use my creativity. And so I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to, I, I clearly need to be able to do my own thing and be and use my creative skills. And then here we are today. Exactly. Um, but uh, I think that we, tend to minimize the things that that are really truly a gift to other people and we tend to minimize the things that actually make us happy because mm-hmm. of our desire to try to please other people and we yep. know that those things that it's going to cause when, when I decided to go into therapy when I decided to go into content creation I had to realize and I had to sit well and I had to be okay with other people not liking that telling me that I was crazy for leaving a, a cushy corporate job. And I had to be okay with them uh, allowing allowing, and giving permission to say like, you know what, you're allowed to think I'm, I'm crazy. You're allowed to think that this, that this is stupid to you, but this is the journey that I'm supposed to be on. Dude, you know what it is? You, you said the word minimize. I think there's a, a even better word. I think it's rationalize. Yeah. And I'm going to break this down even better. So like when I say rationalize, Pay attention to what the two words are, rational and lies, because that's what it is. (laughs) It's a lie. We rationalize our life. Well, people rationalize us, actually. When you're a kid, you have all of these different dreams, right? You have all of these things that you want to become. And as you grow up, 
people start to rationalize them for you. Well, maybe you need to go to this route. Everybody's trying to find the perfect job, the perfect field for you to go into. Well, nobody knows that other than you, one. And two, because everybody's telling you that this is what they do, we go from being from dreaming big and thinking, I can do this, to thinking, well, what is the safest route that I can yep. go? What's, mm -hmm. what's the way that I can kind of use what I'm good at and then do the rest of the stuff that I don't really care about, but I'll use it? That's not what we were put on this earth to do. No. We were put on this earth to live out our purpose. Yeah. That is literally the only reason we're here. You were given a purpose. You are here to live out that purpose and impact others with it. That's it. Yeah. And it is when you rationalize and tell yourself rational lies, what ends up happening is everybody else's voice becomes stronger than your own voice. Mm -hmm. What you hear in your head that you start to believe is you, it's not even you. Yep. Self-doubt is not even a, a real thing. It's not your voice. It's, no, it's everybody not. else's voice. Yep. We are not born thinking that we can't do something. Our only thoughts is, I want it, I'll do it. You see yeah. a baby, they're interested in something. They start crawling towards it. Do they have any idea about danger, about blockers, about being cautious of something, about the downfalls of this and the risk of that? No. We are born being completely optimistic and forward-thinking people. And what happens is we get pushed away from our truest self. And I saw somebody say, you know, life becoming an adult and, and really understanding yourself is really just becoming a kid again. Yeah. Going back into what it was that really, you know, made you who you were before. Making your eight-year-old self proud. Exactly. Someone say you have to make your exactly. eight-year-old self proud, and you have to make your eighty-year-old self proud. Boom. And uh, the, you know, to to your point about people rational lies. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize about that is that you, when you begin to shine, it actually begins to trigger other people because they internally are not happy themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that a lot of people have a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when, and people talk about scarcity mindset when it comes to money, when it comes mm -hmm. to, uh, when it comes to finances, when it comes to homes and material things, they don't talk about it enough when it comes to success and when it comes to projection. When yes. people experience uh, a, a scarcity mindset, they literally want to become a roadblock between you and success and you and happiness because they literally think that you took happiness and success away from them mm. because they also didn't go for their dreams. They also didn't go mm. for the fulfillment and the things that make them happy. So just like the whole crabs in the barrel mentality, I need to be a roadblock between you and, the, and you and success. I need to keep you here at the end of the bench with me, just like in, in basketball, right? And, and that's what happens there, right? You have the person that's at the end of the bench yep. that wants to keep people at the end of the bench with them because if you become a better player and if you actually achieve and if you actually get off the bench and into, into the game, that means that the problem really is with me. Yes. And it's not the coach like I'm complaining about. It's not yes. everyone else. The problem is that I'm not putting in the work. And so it's much easier to try to set to try to sacrifice your success to make myself feel better through the process. Yes. Myron Golden said on a podcast, he said, when you go, people don't want to see you succeed at something that they've tried or anything like that. The reason people talk you down is because it damns them if you achieve yeah. it. Now, what is your excuse? Well, he came from where you're from and he did it. He was in this position. Y'all grew up together. Y'all are close right. friends. Y'all run in the same circles. All these different things that y'all relate to, you can no longer use them as an excuse. And I love what you said about how it frees people because most people are dying to get out of that hole. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there are certain people who are, are so stuck in their way that they won't allow themselves to actually 
feel and, and, and express that um, and comes to their own realization. And for them, you just got to pray for them and hope that they get to it. Right. But for most people, they're not beyond saving. And I think that's why I love one thing that Gary Vaynerchuk stands on is like his basis for everything. And it's a basis for me is empathy. Mm-hmm. You have to when you have empathy, it makes life so much easier right. because you realize that nothing that anybody is doing is really personal to me. It has nothing to do with me. When you react the way you react to me, when you're mad at, you know, over over the smallest thing, when I run into you at the grocery store and you're at the register and you're upset, it's not because I came up and asked you uh, to add this onto my order. It's because something is going on in your life before I got to you that already had you in this bad mood. And when you have empathy, you don't take things personal because you realize that everybody is who they are because of things in their life that have nothing to do with you. And when you gain control of that, not only one, do you not become affected by other people, but it also allows you to become more effective with dealing with people. You can free more people and pull them out of that because you can reason with where they're coming from, but except instead of getting defensive over how they reacted. And that's the whole, that's actually the whole point of this podcast. And you know, what you just described is uh, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. That, and what emotional intelligence does is that it gives you the ability to resolve conflict, not only with yourself, but with other people mm-hmm. in, in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And, and not only be able to resolve conflict, but un- to understand, like, when do I need to go? When do I need to have a little bit more empathy here? When do I need to, and how to begin to have uh, good, healthy conversations. When do I need to end relationships? Mm. When do I need to walk away from people uh, and understand that sometimes people's people's and understand that sometimes when people are, are, are coming after you, it's really a projection about what what they're uh, what they're going through yes. and that and not to take personal, just like you just articulated. And I want to use that to kind of transition because uh, I talk obviously a lot about toxic relationships and you talk a lot about dating as well. Yes. And uh, and one of the things that I talk about frequently is that the the fastest way to um, it, to get out of a toxic relationship is not to get in one to begin with. And a lot of yeah. times people give me pushback because they'll say things <clears throat> like, "Well, people who are narcissists are manipulative in the beginning." I'm like, "Yeah, I agree, but if you're doing your due diligence in terms of going at a slow pace." paying attention instead of putting this person out on a pedestal yes. and just, and, and just flying past red flags. It is 100% uh, possible to completely avoid people who are toxic and narcissistic and to connect with people who are healthy and have a healthy personality and healthy disposition about them and people who are not going to, uh, not going to treat you poorly. Yes. So with all that being said, what, what are some things that you talk to people about in terms of the type of people that they date, how to date? I mean, it's a, it's uh it's a rough dating scene right now for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and uh, what are some things that you suggest in terms of finding good, healthy partners? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is um, <laughs> finding, and this is something that I've been saying recently, and I really want to emphasize this dating and and when you're looking for somebody, you're not looking to find a perfect person. You're looking to find somebody that is willing to correct their imperfections. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of my key things when I look for in a girl, because, and and it's because of an experience that I had, the first girl I ever fell in love with was unwilling to correct those imperfections because she has such a guard up due to things that happened in her past. And so she said she was choosing her going forward and she didn't care who it harmed. Right Mm -hmm. now me thinking, and this is another lesson, stop thinking that you can love people into changing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the second thing to know. 
But both of these go together. I knew that after that relationship, all the love I put in trying to, and all the things I stood for, I got emotionally abused and torn and, and drugged through in that relationship. And I was at 18 years old, right before mm -hmm. I went to school and it carried on a little bit into school. Um, it taught me that one of the main things you need in a person, because everybody's going to come with something, right, is somebody who is willing to change their, for their imperfections, right? Mm -hmm. when, when you're called out about something that is an issue with you, I need to be with somebody who is willing to change that and accept accountability for it. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be with somebody who says, well, that's just the way I am. Uh, that's just the way I am person. The second I see that in a person, immediately they are removed from that dating category. It is not possible for us to be in a relationship because those are the things that when we're 50 years old, we're still going to be learning things about ourselves. We're still going to be addressing things about ourselves. And we're supposed to be doing this thing for life. Right. It would never work or I would be completely miserable and have to lower myself so much to be able to be around somebody who's not willing to adapt and change and grow as a person. So one, dating is not about being with somebody that's perfect. It's about finding somebody who's willing to improve their imperfections. Two, you cannot love people into changing. That's kind of self-explanatory. People are who they are. If they don't want to change, they're not going to change. And there's nothing you, their mom or their dog can do to change that. Um, one of the third things I tell people is if you really want to have a healthy outlook on dating, stop following pages like The Shade Room, Spiritual World, all mm. these places, because they don't do anything for you, but take advantage of the holes and the weaknesses and vulnerabilities that you've experienced, your pain, and make it shine even brighter. They're pandering. Right. Exactly. So I have this mm -hmm. theory, right? And we're going to talk about parenting a little bit more because yeah. I know mm -hmm. we, we, we have some stuff to talk about yeah. with uh, people on mics, but- um, yeah. These pages, I have, I have this theory. I get this scenario all the time. When our parents were growing up, let's say in the, you know, when they were dating, let's say back in the 70s, 80s, even the 90s, right? Before social media existed. When you go through something with somebody back then, let's say somebody, uh, you think he may be cheating on you or she may be cheating on you or whatever. You go or you have an argument. Let's just start with an argument. Let's start with an argument. You have an argument with this person. You think you're right. That person thinks they're right. Back then. You'd have to go call your girlfriends or your boy, your boyfriends, your guys, your bo your girls. Call right. them up, tell them the whole story. They're gonna ask some questions. They're gonna get a picture, give you their opinions. You're gonna have out of that five people that you call, you're gonna have one or two that are in the same. Feel like you know you right. It is what it is. You're gonna have two of them that's gonna tell you nah, you wrong. You know you're gonna have somebody that maybe has that balance. But you're gonna get these differing perspectives that force you to think about this. You're not going to get all five people because you have to tell them the context. You have to tell them everything around the situation. Shoot, they probably already know you. Mm -hmm. And so they can already pick up on the things. But what happens now is something happens. And let's say you get into it with somebody and you cut them off or whatever. They cut you off. You can go on Twitter now and come across something. You can see 10 things. Eight of them could be about love being great. You're going to scroll right past them because we have selective bias. Mm -hmm. You're going to scroll past those things. And the thing that's going to stand out to you is the same thing that happens when you're a Democrat or Republican. You will find what you're looking for and forget that you saw everything else. Absolutely. It will be as if it doesn't exist. And you'll find that one comment, that one tweet that says, I swear these dudes ain't nothing. They ain't worth, you know, all right. this stuff, right? Yeah. And you can cuss here. And, and then you see, mm -hmm. you see 20,000 people liked it. Right. And you're like, see, I know I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not tripping. But in the reality of it, what is 20,000 people? Right. There's what, 300 million people that live in America? Yeah. 
it goes back to what we were just talking about in terms of scarcity mindset. Exactly. We think that there's only a few that that twenty thousand people, right, is the majority it's of the majority. everyone, right? And it's really not. It's not. This is a subgroup of people who mm -hmm. feel the way they feel. And because you're in pain, you now relate to what they feel. And because you are buying into it and they have the numbers behind it, you now accept it as a truth. Mm -hmm. And so now you have basically destroyed your chances of finding a healthy relationship because you've already let toxic stuff get into your mind and become your reality. You cannot go into dating with fear of being hurt. Because the second, that's what happens, right? People think that they put their guard up and so, now nah, I'm not going to get hurt. No, it, it's actually the opposite that happens. Because you have put your guard up, you're going to be hurt even more when somebody does crack it. Mm -hmm. Because it's you have this, you, you have this on, when people have this, they're, they're that, that mentality that nothing is bad. When they're focused in on the pain, that's really just accentuating the trust issues, right? Mm -hmm. That, that you, and so you're looking for that quote unquote perfect person. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that it's much easier for you to fall for manipulation because guess what? What do manipulative people do? They take pretend advantage. like they, they take advantage and they act like there's nothing wrong with them. Exactly. Right. They're, well, they act like the perfect person they cover and they minimize all their insecurities. Right. So you find this perfect person who's your quote unquote, your soulmate. Mm -hmm. And you go in there blind when the when people who are dating are healthy, they yeah. go in with the mindset that everybody has red flags. Everybody. Hey, guess what, guys? I have red flags, too. Mm -hmm. With this mindset of instead of pretending like I don't, you're actually offering up like, hey, listen, these are my red flags. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm looking for someone who can support through these red flags. And let me see your red flags, too. Yep. Right. Let me see if these are things that I can tolerate. If not, no, no big deal. Right. It's, it's okay. just not going to work. Right. It's not going to, it's just not going to work. But, but because people are so focused on the pain of trying to avoid rejection mm -hmm. and the pain of abandonment and people aren't dealing with those insecurities and dealing with that trauma and dealing with those issues. Right. They're so focused on that, that they're trying to avoid it because God forbid you have to break up with someone because it's not working out. <laughs> it's and the God end of forbid, the world. Right. God forbid you. But the problem is a lot of times because people are rushing you, you date three, you've introduced them to your kids. You've introduced them to your entire family. You brought them to church. You brought them now. All of a sudden, you don't want to circle back to tell everyone that you that it didn't work out because mm. you think that it's a bad reflection on you. Well, guess okay. what? Slow down. Yeah. Right. You don't know this person. It takes a long time to get to know people. And when you slow down and then it makes that process a lot easier for you to for you, when you start to see, uh, you know, because red flags really actually should be, you know, obviously there's certain things that are just obvious deal breakers. But yep. uh, certain red flags actually need more investigating. It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a deal breaker. It's time for us to start asking questions and starting to investigate a little bit more instead of just calling it quits, understanding that everyone is a flawed individual. So exactly. instead of looking for perfection, we actually need to be looking for people who have flaws that we can tolerate and can also tolerate ours. Exactly. That is so big. It's like a red flag doesn't always mean cut off. Like yeah. you said, sometimes it's a yellow light. Sometimes mm -hmm. it just means proceed with caution. Like you yeah. said, investigate it a little bit further and figure out if you can put up with this. And that is what it's all about to me. Like it's, it's kind of like if you have a limited amount of money, if you have $100, and you have the things that are very important to you. And in order to get those, the things that you care about the most, the clothes you want the most, you're trying to build an outfit. The first $50 gets, is what you're going to get for sure. And then after that, you kind of got to put things together. Figure out what your mandatory things are. What are the things that it's just like, hey, if these, like you said, those red flags that are true deal breakers, you have to figure out what those are. 
And then from the rest of it, you form a person that you have to decide if this is worth it or not. And, and that comes down to something that we talked about before, which is valuing yourself and, and mm -hmm. understanding who you are. Because if you value yourself, you will be able to talk to yourself and say, is this worth it? No, this isn't worth it for me. And that's OK. It doesn't mean that this person is less than me. It just means what they bring to the table would not match with what I am. I look at it kind of like as puzzle pieces. Nobody yeah. is it's not going to be a square on both ends where we just slap right together. We're going to fit together kind of jaggedly. There's going to mm -hmm. be areas where you're a little bit stronger. I'm a little bit weaker. I have a problem here, but you are actually really good with dealing with this. And we fit together to form something beautiful. Right. right? And that's what it's about. And it goes back to scarcity mindset. The reason why so many people struggle with breakups, struggle with letting things go, is because they truly in their mind believe that there's not another person out there that can give them this feeling. And right. that that's, a, once that's again, true. about being realistic, mm -hmm. right? When you, the same thing we talked about with loving yourself, it's the same thing with dating, right? Mm -hmm. There is an endless pool of people. There are people out there that have what you want. There are people out there that don't have what you want. And there's a countless number of them. I am not somebody that personally believes that there is one person in the world for you. Mm -hmm. It Because to me, it makes no logical or spiritual sense that there is just one person that works. I don't think that dating is some magical moment that just happens. I don't think love is just some. I think it's a choice. I think that not it is only a, is it a choice. Not only is it a choice, but a lot of times people think, people forget that when you're, when you actually love someone that, uh, that, I always, tell, I always say that love comes with responsibility. Just hmm. like when you get a dog, when you come, when you get a any sort of pet, everyone wants that cuddly little puppy. Exactly. That uh, and and when you see your neighbors and when you see other other people with puppies, you want one. But then you forget that the dog takes shits, that it pukes, it pukes underneath the bed sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it needs to go out at three thirty in the morning, five in the morning, whatever. Well, are you going to love the puppy then? Right. Because it's not like you just fall out of love. It's, you know, love means that I'm going to still treat this pet or this person in, in a dating situation. Well, despite our disagreement right here, right now, because a lot of times people don't understand the difference between disagreements and disrespect. Hmm. And what happens is because they love them, they will tolerate disrespect, not realizing that that, that what they're actually doing is that they're actually allowing for damage in behavior through uh, through that process yeah. and so I always I always compare I always say that relationships healthy relationships are not found everyone wants to find the right person well do I find them on Bumble do I find them on Tinder do I mm -hmm. find them in college do I find them in church when in all reality relationships are built they are formed mm -hmm. with two people and it's constant like instead of going out trying to find a house that's already built if you find a house that's already built there might be some elements about the house that you like there's also going to be some elements that you don't like because guess what? Somebody built that house based on their own personal criteria. You didn't hmm. build that house. Hmm. Relationships are built with two different people. So it's more of like two people building a brand new house building together. A brand new one. Yeah. Right. That, that the two of you. And so that means that the two of you guys are going to have to communicate through disagreements. Do we want the balcony on the right side of the house or on the left side of the house? But that also means that our intention is to make sure that we find people that have similar values. You can't build a house with someone who wants a ranch style house and you want a mansion. And that's not yep. going to work. Yep. Is, does that make that person wrong? Does that make them bad or anything like that? No, that just means that the two of you have two different visions and two different values in terms of life. And so exactly. what we actually have to do is what we, a lot of what we talked about before, right? When, this is the reason why self-love is so important. You are your own soulmate. 
Mm. It's nobody else. You are your own soulmate. When mm. people say things like, uh, well, I want to be with somebody that's going to be with me through thick and thin, through the, that's been with me through the through the ups and downs. You, that was you. That was you. You, you've been there for yourself the entire time. So begin to learn how to love yourself and being authentic with yourself. And what happens is that when you have a better vision of what you want for your life, you're able to find people who are well connected and well suited for us to enjoy this journey together. Yep. And understand that when we have disagreements that now we can communicate because as long as everyone's still heading in the same direction, we can work through certain disagreements. We can work through differences. Yep. Right. Because we can find some sort of compromise, understanding that the journey is the, is bigger than the both of us. Yep. And that's how we begin to build and construct healthy relationships versus toxic ones. That's that's beautiful right there. And something this is the point that I, I'm. I think I've only done one video on this, but I've yet to see anybody talk about this. But it's a point that I want to talk about because you brought up compromise. Now, one thing that I've also had to come to a conclusion on, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, people always say relationships are about compromise. And I have started to disagree with that. I think that relationships are mostly about compromise, um, maybe even 90 to 95 percent about compromise. But I think that there is a percentage of time in there where relationships are about knowing your line in the sand. Yeah, right? I agree with that 100%. And I think you said something similar to this when you talked about making sacrifices for people that they never asked for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and, and, and I'm going to go a, a step even further and saying even sacrifices that they did ask for. Yeah. You have to know if that's something that you are OK with doing and that you can accept what's going to come from it, because what happens is, like you said, you're going to build this resentment because you're changing these things for people because you think I have to compromise. We're in a relationship, so I have to give. Look, if you are in a situation where your partner wants to step out and do something with other people, and mm -hmm. that is not something you're comfortable with, but yeah. you're saying you're over here, well, it'll keep him around. We'll stay in the relationship. We'll be happy. This, and you know that deep down, even though you're agreeing to this, that you will never be able to love this person the same and see them in the same light. And it's always going to affect you. Then that is somewhere where you have to draw a, bond, a boundary and a line in the sand mm -hmm. and say, no, I will not. And some of those boundaries are deal breakers it's one of those things where it's like i'm not going to do it and that person isn't cool with it and they're like well i need it and okay well then we need to part ways and right. some of them aren't deal breakers some of them are just things that it's like look i love you enough to where i'm gonna just have to deal with this and you're just gonna have to deal with that yeah. you like to shower with it being cold i like to shower with it being hot but we don't need to take no showers together right. That's so, what we're gonna so we we uh what i tell people is that we need to know the difference between something that is negotiable and something that is a deal breaker and what happens mm. is that when we don't know the difference right and we just anticipate that everything's going to be fine the problem is is that at some point in time shit's going to hit the fan and people's yes. emotions are going to be high <laughs> yep. and not if but when it happens the problem is that if you don't personally, if you're not authentic the way we we're talking about, mm -hmm. and if you don't know your own personal deal breakers, you won't be able to tell the difference between a negotiation mm -hmm. and a deal breaker. You'll try, you'll think that things that are deal breakers are negotiable and things that are negotiable are deal breakers. This is the reason why you hear so many people that go through a divorce because someone didn't do the dishes versus someone exactly. who sticks with someone who has cheated on them 50 different times. Exactly. Right? So we don't understand where our boundaries and where that line is. And we throw out this term unconditional love. Unconditional love is for children. Hmm. You love your children unconditionally because hmm. they are your responsibility. That's not for adults. Yeah. Fuck all that. Yeah. Right? There are times where we need to end relationships. Yep. 
Uh, we well, there are times where it calls for a divorce. Yeah. And we and we need to say and we have to be okay with saying that I love this person, but I can't tolerate this behavior anymore. This yep. is now past a past a, a point of no return for me. Yep. And so therefore, even though I love you, even though I don't want to end this relationship, I don't want to go through the process of this divorce, radical acceptance and self-love tells me that I got to end this. Exactly. Because we're no longer heading in the same direction. People will take those vows to their grave and be miserable, not realizing that those vows themselves are only sustainable when they're not broken. Right. When you operate outside of those, there is no promise that's being kept. Absolutely. And now something must change. But, you know, I digress. We can move on to the next <laughs> well, point we'll so talk when, about it all day. Yeah, well, I mean, to to this point, right? <laughs> so we have a, a lot. I think we brought a lot of great points, you know, in terms of the dating scene and relationships. But a large, there's another large problem, I think, that that doesn't get talked about and doesn't get discussed enough, especially with by people who look like you and I. Right. We yeah. have. Um, black men with mics, right? I think that yeah. a lot of people, when they see us, when they see the snippets, when they see the playback of this, might even roll their eyes just at seeing the scene of two black men on and are probably going to roll their eyes and say, oh no, here we go again. What mm-hmm. are they about to say about women? What are they about to kind of say something crazy about the dating scene? Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about different podcasts. And so what are your thoughts on that in terms of the the state of Black men with mics, um, man, I, you know, we can we can even um, expand that to men with mics, because I think that it's it's a, a lot of people. And uh, in terms of the way that they're approaching the dating scene, what they're saying about other people, what they're saying about um, alpha this and beta that and women. Man, and what are your thoughts, man? The, the first thing that I'm going to say is. You got to pay very close attention. I think most, if not all of these people don't even believe half the stuff they're saying. Um, And I think that they say it because they know it's going to get them views. Mm -hmm. I'll take the words out of Kevin Samuel's mouth where he said that he used to talk specifically to men about the things that they were going through Mm -hmm. and that he wasn't getting the views and everything. And his friend told him, dude, if you were to talk about women and you were to get a little bit more brash and, and stuff like that, this would go up. And he yeah. did it one time and it got millions of views. And so that's what he did. Um, and it's it's the same mindset that a lot of people are going with. Now, while I understand and I fully always will support the success of any black man, I always say at what cost. Right. And I can understand. And this is a, a thing for me because I've thought about it before with content. You know, should I make this this statement that I don't necessarily believe in, but I know it's going to bring people around? And I don't or make a statement or make a statement without context. Exactly. Knowing knowing that. Exactly. Because now people are going to interpret this and run with it in some way rather than bringing clarity to what you're talking about. Right. You post and and especially when you you control your content, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets posted when you post this 60 second clip on TikTok. You know exactly what people are going to get out of that. And when you post that particular clip and don't provide any clarity or any context to say, well, only in these situations or if this happens. Or, hey, do what's best for you. When you don't do that, it's dangerous, man. And we hold a responsibility. People get on these microphones saying these things for views because they know that, oh, I post this clip, people are going to come watch it, and maybe then they'll get the rest of the conversation. Well, what about the people, and this is the majority of people, what about the majority of people? You may get a video, you know this as you podcast, you get a video Mm -hmm. with a million views on TikTok. Yeah. Maybe a hundred thousand of them come to listen to your episode. So mm-hmm. what happens to the 90% who never went to hear the rest of the conversation? 
They run with what you said and take it as law or, or take it as your belief and now ingest it into their life and form an opinion about it. And that's not right. We have a responsibility. And, and I always take it that way. Anytime you get a platform, anytime people look up to you, people listen to you, you need to be very clear and concise about what it is that you're saying to be able to say that if your kids were to listen to this, they would be able to understand where you're coming from and they wouldn't have to. Oh, if I only caught this little snippet of it dad was was saying this no it should be very clear you say what you mean and you mean what you say and anytime you have to mislead people just to feed your ends i don't think the i don't think that that justifies i think that it also speaks to the people who do this it speaks it really speaks to their insecurities that they mm. don't feel that they have the talent they don't feel like they have the knowledge exactly. to really actually do it the right way that they uh you know that they need the views to be able to feed that ego of theirs, mm -hmm. right? They uh, don't feel like they can actually achieve success any other way than to try to take people off where uh, in reality, like something that I'm very mindful of whenever I post out content is how is, how are people going to feel when I post this out? Yes. I, I, you know, and yes, am I, am I going to challenge people? Because I do believe that we do need to challenge people's thinking yes. when we're, when we're trying to uh, heal and correct certain behavior um, but it, it, it needs to be in a way where people understand that it's coming across in a, a very loving, loving way, right? Where, because uh, one of the things that, that I think about literally every single day when I post content is what legacy is this going to leave? Yes. And if you think about when Kevin Samuels died, you know, look at the, look at his legacy. You, yes, yes, you do have some people that were, that, you know, are, are, that swore that he changed their life and I'm happy for them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, right, we have a lot of people that it caused a lot of pain. So exactly. at what cost, right? So to your point uh, in terms of, you know, that he had to change up his content to try to uh, get more views and to, to uh, feed himself and that sort of thing. At what cost, right? Now, exactly. the way that you're remembered, and that's something that I think that a lot of men really need to be taking into consideration is that the legacy you leave, how, are, how do you want people to talk about you when you're gone? How do you want people to remember you, right? Do yep. you want people, yes, you might be getting millions of views now, right? But how few people are actually going to appreciate your content and appreciate you uh, once you're gone? And is your, is your, your content and is your podcast going to be evergreen after you're done? Yeah. Or, right. Or are people going to continue to trash you, trash your legacy and trash your family and children mm -hmm. after you're gone? I always think about it like this. And because I'm for the black community, first and foremost, I always think what I'm about to say, does it build or does it destroy black men, black women, black children, the black household? Do, what, what does it do to my people? And that is what I want so many of them to think is when you post this and you start this war in the comments and then you start this war on TikTok and this war on YouTube, what are you doing for our community? You will sit there all day as black men, because that's what we're talking about, black men. And, and personally, I don't talk about black women because I don't have a place to. I'm not a black woman. Right. Black men got way too much to focus on right now for me to be worried about what black women need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other than the fact that I always ask black women to please give us some grace. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't have much else to say to black women, because quite honestly, I think black women, you know, been holding it down for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's time for us to really fulfill our purpose. Mm -hmm. But. 
if I'm sitting here saying something that divides black men and women, it makes them argue more than it solves a problem, then why am I putting it out there when I could just right. provide the solution? When I could just say something that is healthier, when I could just say something that is more beneficial, it may get seen by a quarter of less people, but at least that quarter of people that watch it, I just help them become better and, and right. help them grow. And that's going to build more. And that's going to build more. And I want to build my foundation always on solid ground. I've seen way too many people. Part of this wisdom thing that we talk about and being wise above my years is me studying the black men before me. Mm -hmm. And I've seen where the ones before me have failed mm -hmm. because they built their foundation on, on shaky ground. And when they got to a point, it all came crashing down. I've seen them say things that they weren't living. And then when it hits the fan, you lose everything. And now nobody will ever forgive you. And they always bring it back up. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about always being. Anytime you put something out, taking on the responsibility that it's not going anywhere, that it impacts people's lives and understanding that if it's not building, then it doesn't need to be put out there. Absolutely. Miles, we could do this all. I think we could probably go three days and, and keep talking. So this was, we're definitely going to have to do this again. Uh, before we hop off, though, tell us about your book. Yes. So have it right here. This is Change Your Mind, Change Your Life, A Young Adult Guide to Fulfillment. I highly encourage everyone on here. I'm sure the viewership is probably a little bit older than me, um, but I will highly encourage you that this is a great book for you to give any young adult really between the ages of like 16 to 25, um, who's trying to find their way in life. This book is an all-encompassing manual, if you will, a guide to break down the areas of life that we struggle with the most. Um, there are nine chapters to this book, and I'll just read out the chapters really quick so you know yeah, what man. the topics are. Mm -hmm. The first one is mental fortitude. So I'm going to talk to you about how to actually build who you are and from a mental standpoint. Second one is faith. Um, the third chapter is dating. The fourth chapter is moving with intention. So how are you able to actually go after your goals? Fifth chapter is leadership. The sixth chapter is friendship. Seventh is wealth. The eighth is wisdom. And the ninth is starting and finishing. I'm going to have um, to get it for my son. He's uh, 19. He's it'll be perfect for him, man. Mm -hmm. It will be perfect yeah. for him. Um, the book is short. It's only mm -hmm. 89 pages. It's a very quick read. I made it so that young adults who don't like to read, because we don't like to read, I yeah. made it so that they would enjoy this. You can finish this book in less than an hour and a half, and there's nothing but relatable context in the entire page. I speak to you as a young adult and whoever you're buying it for. I speak to you guys in the way that they need to hear it, right? And and that's where my, my point and voice is for my platform. I'm 24 years old. I can reach your kids, your, your, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, your students, your mentees. I can reach them in ways that many of you guys cannot because when they see me, they see somebody that's like them. Um, I know their language. So that's what this book is about. I highly encourage you to purchase. I know he has the link. You can find it if you're listening to this at www.milesthemillennial.com. Um, it'll be there for purchase. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, milesthemillennial.com. I'm, I'm everywhere. Just reach out to me if you have anything. The name of the book, I see somebody commented, yeah. change your mind, change your mind, change your life. Sorry. Um, it's on my website, www.milesthemillennial.com. Awesome. Well, so make sure you guys give Miles a follow. Make sure you guys uh, purchase his book. Also, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please give the, the podcast a review. Uh, on whether it's on Apple, whether you're giving a review on Spotify. I do, when I'm doing the solo episode, I do like to read out reviews. So I will give you a shout out, uh, a shout out 
uh, for the review. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your support. We're always very thankful for the listeners. We're always thank- very thankful for all the reviews that you guys give out and support. And when I put out snippets for this, make sure you guys share it out to the people so people can get some great content, so they can get some great uh, emotional intelligence and some healing and begin to get some direction in their life. So thank you guys very much. And we will talk again next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.